0: Already in that prayer, we've been led to the throne. Hope you realize that. That was thank you, Wayne. Try right, to open your Bibles again with me, if you would, to Job chapter twenty-eight. The question I want us to look at this morning is the one Job asks: "Where shall wisdom be found?" In verse seventeen. That's not the right. Verse 12 But where shall wisdom be found And where is the place of understanding Now the wisdom Job is talking about here Spiritual wisdom Wisdom to know God It's spiritual wisdom to know this That God is holy God is just Everything he does Must be holy And just It's wisdom to know I'm a helpless sinner And I can't do one blessed thing to save myself or to make myself more savable. It's wisdom to know how can a sinner be saved? How can a sinner be saved from his sin? How can a sinner be saved from God's justice against his sin? Now I need that wisdom. Do you need that wisdom? Job Job knew we needed it. The question he's asking is where can that wisdom, Wisdom to know God. Wisdom to know who I am. Wisdom to know how God saves sinners. Where can that wisdom be found? Job begins by telling us where wisdom is not. And he shows us where wisdom is not so that we learn this lesson. We're completely dependent on God to save us. I know this, number one, wisdom cannot be had by fleshly efforts or fleshly understanding. In verse one, Job 28, Job says, surely there's a vein for the silver and a place for gold where they find it. Iron is taken out of the earth and brass is molten out of, out of stone. And later on through there, he talks about sapphires and gems and all these things being found in the in the dust of the mountains, the rocks of the earth. Now, if you want, uh, this is what Job is saying, if you want silver, gold, and these precious gems and stuff, well, you know where to find those, don't you? They're in the ground. They're in the ground somewhere. And if you're willing to work hard enough, you're willing to work long enough and look long enough, you'll probably find some, probably, you know, because you know where silver and gold is found. But I don't care how smart you are. You don't know where the wisdom of God is. You don't know what it is. I mean, this congregation is full of smart, smart, highly intelligent people. But you're not here this morning trusting Christ and believing the gospel because you figured this out by by your natural wisdom, natural smarts. You know, whenever we try to, to figure out what God is like and what God is doing and why he's doing it, whenever we try to figure God out with our natural minds, we're always wrong. 100% of the time, we're wrong. A dead spiritual mind can never come up with the right spiritual answers. Can't do it. I don't care how di- how much you dig, even even in the Word of God, you won't find Christ there, unless the Holy Spirit is pleased to reveal Him to you. If it just left your own natural understanding, you'll think well, the Scriptures full of of good ideas and good ways to live and you know all those things, but you'll not find Christ. what's well, your natural mind left to our own devices? You know, what we'll be like we'll be like the Pharisees. They thought. Their salvation was in their obedience, or it was uh, their obedience to the law, or their obedience to the ceremonies. They believed in election. Pharisees, oh, absolutely, they believed in election. They believed it was a, a fleshly thing. The Jews, the Jews are the elect nobody else. They thought they were saved because they were Jew, who their daddy was, who their grandfather was, you know. Now they read the scriptures. The Lord told them, You do search the scriptures, and you think and you're searching, and just because you read the scriptures so much, you think that's what saves you. These men spent their lives in the scriptures. I mean, this was not just a, a, a Sabbath day thing. They spent their lives in the scriptures. And they never knew those scriptures testify of Christ. Because they're spiritually blind, just like we are. Y'all you know, like to I like the saying I use a lot of blind squirrel squirrel finds an acorn every now and then. I guess that's true. But spiritually blind men will never find God. I don't care how smart they are. They won't find it by their own imaginations. Look back a page or or two at Job chapter 11. Job 11. In verse 7. Canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty into perfection? It's as high as heaven. What canst thou do? It's deeper than hell. What, what canst thou know? The measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. If he cut off and shut up or gathered together, then who can hinder him? No man can find out God with our own natural mind. It's a mind that's dead and darkened by sin. All right, number two. Here's where wisdom is not. Wisdom cannot be bought with earthly riches. Let's begin in verse 13 in our text, Job 28. Man knoweth not the price thereof, neither is it found in the land of the living. The depth saith, it's not in me. The sea saith, it's not with me. It cannot be gotten for gold. Neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. It cannot be valued with the gold of Ophir, with precious onyx or the sapphire. The gold and the crystal cannot equal it. And the exchange of it should not be for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of pearls, for the price of wisdom is above rubies. The topaz of Ethiopia shall not equal it. Neither shall be valued with pure gold. Whence then cometh wisdom? And where is the place of understanding, seeing its head from the eyes of all living, and kept close from the fowls of the air? Wisdom can't be bought with earthly riches. I mean, you gather up all the gold and silver and Diamonds and all these precious gems. It cannot equal. The value. The preciousness of wisdom that knows God. Look over at Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Solomon. Talks a lot about. About wisdom. He talks about wisdom more than any other. Of the writers of scripture. Solomon knew the value of. Of wisdom. Proverbs 3 verse 13. Happy is the man. That findeth wisdom. And the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it. Is better than the merchandise of silver. And the gain thereof. Than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies. and all the things thou canst desire. You put them all together. All the things you just des- They cannot be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She, this, this wisdom, she's the tree of life to them to lay hold upon her. And happy is every one that retaineth her. Your gold and silver and precious stones, now they're valuable. I mean, no question about it, they, they have a value to us, don't they? but their value can't even be compared to the value of wisdom. True wisdom makes a person happy. I tell you some of the most miserable people I know are rich people. I mean very, very rich people. They're miserable. All their riches can't buy them happiness. But the wisdom to know God would. Wisdom gives you so much more joy. Wisdom? Gives a person eternal life. Wisdom gives a person peace with God. Gives them peace in their heart. How would you like to go through your life? The the trials and the the turmoils. The the good days. The bad days. the, The sunny days. The cloudy days. Go through all those days with peace in your heart. And when you get to the end of the journey. Lay on your deathbed in peace. You can't put a price on that. You can't, it, rubies, gold and silver could never, could never buy that. Just like you can't buy a house for a dollar because the house is worth more than a dollar. The same thing's true of spiritual wisdom. It can't be bought with silver and gold because it's so much more precious than silver and gold. You know, those things impress us. Gold and silver and diamonds and rubies and pearls, you know. I've never seen it in person, but I've seen pictures of the Hope Diamond. People just line up to see that thing. I mean, they're just, everybody's so impressed with that. But you know what? Those things, that's just another element to God. God created dirt and diamonds at the same time. They're just alike to Him. Gold and silver. It's worth as much dirt as to God. The Apostle John said in heaven, the streets are, are paved with gold. <laughs> It's just worth as much asphalt. If you have wisdom. If you know Christ. Now that's where wisdom is not found. I'm going to give you a good clue where I'm going with the rest of my time. God, he's only impressed with his son. There's nothing more valuable than knowing Christ. He's the wisdom of God. Wisdom is not a thing. Wisdom is a person. There's nothing more valuable than knowing Christ, who is the wisdom of God. So here's my third point. God must be pleased to reveal wisdom to us, or we'll never have it. Verse 23, back in our text. God understandeth the way. Man can't find the the way of wisdom. But God understands the way thereof. He knoweth the place thereof because he's the one that put it there. He's the one that ordained it. For God looketh to the ends of the earth and seeth under the whole heaven to make the weight for the winds. He weigheth the waters by measure. When he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder in creation, when there was only God, then did he see it. Then God saw wisdom. You know why? Because he decreed it. He prepared it. Yea, he searched it out. See, God is the one who searched out wisdom, because God is the one who declares wisdom. He's the one that declares it. Look at First Corinthians chapter two. Now, wisdom can only be found in God. It can only be seen in God. Well, I can't see God. I can't know God. How am I ever going to know this wisdom? How can I ever find out wisdom? If I don't have the sense to look for it, to know where it's at, it's through preaching. God is pleased to reveal this wisdom through the preaching of his son. Look at 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world, He ordained this before creation unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Now the answer to the mystery, the answer to the mystery of wisdom, the answer to the mystery of the gospel, the answer to the mystery of all the spiritual truths that we would like to know, is all found in Christ. It all is Christ. It's all revealed to us through the preaching of the gospel. The answer to the mystery is Christ. But the only way we can know the answer to the mystery, the only way we can see it, if the Lord sends us a man who preaches Christ. Somebody's got to preach Christ to us. Now here's the wisdom of God. This is the wisdom of God. God is holy and just. And at the same time, God is merciful. God must be holy. And he must be merciful. Both at the same time. He must be gracious and he must be just. He must. That is God's essential character. He can't do anything else. He must be holy. He must be merciful. So if God's going to show mercy to sinners, it's got to be in a way that's holy and just. Isn't that right? If God's going to be merciful to sinners, it's got to be right for him to do it because he can't violate his character. He can't violate his law. So here's the question. I mean, this is the question of questions. How can God be just and holy and still be merciful to a sinner like me? That's the question. That's the question of questions. How can God be holy? How can God be just? How can God be right and say that guilty sinners like you and me do not have to die for our sin? How? How can God be just and holy? How can God tell the truth and still and say that sinners like you and me are justified? Justified doesn't mean just as if I'd never sinned. Justified means I have no sin. Now how can God say that we're justified? Sinners like you and me are justified and it be true. That's the question that only wisdom can understand. And the answer is so simple. The answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is the wisdom of God. That's why in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, Paul said Christ has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Christ is the wisdom of God. He's the wisdom of God in a body, personified. You see, the way that God saves sinners like you and me, the way that he makes us righteous, Is through representation. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, the second Adam. Christ is the second representative man. He came to represent his race. The same way that Adam represented all of his race, all of mankind, Christ came to represent his race, the elect that God gave him to save. Now Adam was our representative. In the garden, Adam was the representative of every human being, and we all did what our representative did. When Adam disobeyed God, so did we. When Adam sinned and lost his innocence, so did we. When Adam sinned and lost that fellowship and union with God, so did we. When Adam died spiritually, so did we. You know, Scripture says we come forth from the womb speaking lies. I mean, we're conceived that way. We come forth from the womb speaking lies. We don't come forth from the womb innocent and make ourselves guilty. We're guilty in the womb. We're guilty. We come forth speaking lies because we became sinners the moment Adam sinned. So we can't do anything else but sin. <laughs> the reason that, you know, we come forth from the womb speaking lies and it just gets, it never gets any better, does it? I mean, man becomes worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. You know why? We became sinners the moment Adam sinned. And we're just searching out new ways to sin until God stops us from doing it. Now, that's what happened because of the first representative man. But the Lord Jesus Christ is the second representative man, the second Adam. And he came to represent God's elect. And all of God's elect did what our representative did. When the Lord Jesus obeyed the law, so did all of his people. When the Lord Jesus Christ established perfect righteousness under the law, so did all of his people. God's elect are righteous because our representative made us righteous by his obedience. Now that's wisdom, isn't it? To have a second representative man come and make us righteous. That's wisdom. Man wouldn't have dreamed that up in 10 billion years. This is God's wisdom. And the way that God can say sinners like you and me are justified. So say that we have no sin and and not lie in saying It's through substitution. See, the way God can be just and holy yet still show mercy to sinners is through substitution. Through Christ, the sinner substitute. I tell you, if you want to see wisdom, I mean God's wisdom. God's wisdom. Oh, I'd like to see that. I'd like to get a taste of that. Just give me a glimpse of God's wisdom. Wouldn't you love that Aaron? A glimpse of God's wisdom. Oh, you want to see it? You can see it. Go to Calvary. Go to Calvary. At Calvary, The Lord Jesus Christ is dying a cursed death on the tree. Now, why? I mean, pretty much everybody knows Christ died on a cross, right? If you want to see wisdom, you have to find out why is he dying that cursed death? Why? The man never sinned. He never did any wrong. He wasn't even acquainted with sin. Why is he dying? Because he had been made sin for his people. The Father made him sin for his people even though he never committed a sin. God in his wisdom made the Lord Jesus Christ to be guilty. He took the sin of his people. He took it off of them and he put it on our substitute. And when he did that, even though he never committed a sin, Christ was made guilty. He was made guilty of that sin and he paid the penalty for that sin. In his suffering, in his death, he satisfied God's justice. There must be death for sin. That's what the law says. Christ died to satisfy the law. The death of Christ pleased his Father. It pleased him. It pleased his justice. It pleased him in every way. I tell you, not only did it please God's justice, not only did it please God's holiness, it pleased God's mercy. Now God can be merciful to sinners because the substitute died. Isn't that wonderful? The death of Christ satisfied God's justice against all of God's elect. God's anger, God's hatred of sin has been satisfied. He poured out all that anger and all that hatred upon his son, upon the tree. So there's no fury left in him. And now that Christ has died, the substitute died. He actually died for that. It became his and he put it away by his precious blood. Now the father is still holy, still just. Still true when he shows mercy to his people. The Father is just. He's upright to not condemn his people because Christ, the substitute, already died in our place. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus because Christ already suffered it for us. Now, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. Put a little bounce on your step. God's wisdom makes a man, makes a woman, makes a boy, makes a girl glad. Oh, what wisdom. In his wisdom, the father made it right, made it right for him to be merciful to sinners. And listen to this, you talk about being glad, listen to this. Not only is it right for the father to be merciful to anyone for whom Christ died, it's right. But the Father must be merciful to you. He must be merciful to you. If Christ died for you, he must. The condition is all being met by Christ. All the conditions are found in Christ and none of them on you. So when one day you think, how can I know the Lord? I mean, how can I think what I think? How can I do what I do? How can I want to do? How can I be like I am? The Lord's just going to cast me off. That's what I deserve. Quit thinking that way. It's not what you've done. It's not who you are. It's who Christ is. It's what Christ have done. And if you're in him, God's justice demands he be merciful to you. And his justice demands he never cast you off. Now that's wisdom. I mean the very character of God demands it. If Christ died for you. I'm telling you that's wisdom. Only God could devise a way. To save a sinner. To make them actually righteous. In holiness and truth. Only God could do that. Now I love God's salvation. I love it. I love God's salvation. I love the opportunity to talk about it. I love the opportunity to tell folks about it. I love... The opportunity to talk about God's salvation and tell you, now come to Him. Oh, go to Christ. Quit looking at yourself. Quit looking at somebody else. And say, I love that. Go to Christ. I mean, what what better way can a man spend his life by telling sinners the good news of Christ until you go to Him? I love it. God's salvation is beautiful in its wisdom. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. i tell you, these fellas that, that, that preach and maybe they say some true things, I don't know, but I mean, they make fe- people feel bad by their preaching. They, they, they just, I don't, I, I can't even explain it. I mean, you know it when you hear it. That's not God's wisdom. God's wisdom is beautiful. His salvation is beautiful in its wisdom. It's beautiful in its justice. I know sinners don't want God's justice. I mean, the, the number one thing a guilty man does not want is justice. But God's salvation is beautiful in its justice. Christ satisfied it for me. That's beautiful. I mean, that takes all the worry out. God, God's salvation is beautiful in its truth. God takes His people and He doesn't make you like you're righteous. He makes you righteous. He doesn't make you like you're sinless. He makes you sinless. He causes a sinless nature to be born in you. God's salvation is beautiful. in It's mercy and it's grace. I mean, you just give me one thing to do. One thing to do in this matter of salvation. I'll fail. I'm a goner. It's like I said in the lesson this morning, we gotta make the way straight. We gotta make it plain. Take the curves out. Take the mountains out. Fill up the valleys. Make it straight. God's salvation is beautiful. His mercy and his grace. God saves sinners. Now that's beautiful if you know you're sinners. You can't do anything to please God. God Salvation is beautiful. I sure would like to be saved that way. Wouldn't you? I want to be saved that way. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how much I want that wisdom. I want to know that wisdom. I want God to give me that wisdom. I can't tell you how much I want it. I hope you do too. Here's the fourth point. Has God given me wisdom? I want you to ask that yourself, that question. Has God given you wisdom? The answer to that question mighty important to our souls, isn't it? Has God given you wisdom? Well, you can walk out of here this morning knowing it. You can know it. The answer to the question is found in verse 28 back in our text. Job, Job 28. Job 28, verse 28. Behold unto man, he said, this is what God said. God said, behold, sit up and pay attention. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Now wisdom is knowing what is true. Understanding is the right use of wisdom. And I'll illustrate that with this little example. Wisdom would be seeing the walls of this building on fire. And you know, that fire's going to destroy this place. It's going to burn this place just down to the ground. Now that's true, isn't it? That's what fire would do. If all these walls were on fire, engulfed in flames, that's what's going to happen. This building's going to burn down. Understanding is acting on that knowledge and running out of the burning building. See that? Wisdom is knowing that Christ is the wisdom of God. Wisdom is knowing this. I know how sinners are justified. They're justified by the sacrifice of Christ. That's how. That's how their sins put away. Wisdom is knowing that sinners are saved from their sin because Christ put that sin away with his precious blood. His blood made that sin to not even exist anymore. Wisdom is knowing there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Because he was already condemned for them. Wisdom knows that. I mean, all those things are true statements. Can anybody argue with any of those statements? You can't. Understanding is acting on that knowledge. And running out of the burning building of your flesh. Put trust in that burning building, that already dead flesh, and running to Christ. That's wisdom. Running to Christ and begging him for mercy. Begging him to forgive you. That's, that's understanding. Job here talks about departing from evil. Now that doesn't mean you quit sinning. That doesn't mean you sin less than you ever used to. Matter of fact, if the Lord ever calls you to be born again, you'll think you're sinning more than you ever used to. It's not stopping sinning. I mean, as much as we want to, that, that, that's my goal. I mean, I've miserably failed at that already today, but that's my goal. Departing from evil i mean evil. You know what that is? It's departing from trusting in your own works. Wisdom, understanding, is acting on that knowledge so that I quit trusting myself and start trusting Christ to be my all in salvation. That's understanding. And that's what Job means when he said the fear of the Lord. That is wisdom. The fear of the Lord is to reverence the Lord. That's one of the meanings of the word is to reverence the Lord. Now I tell you, we we don't reverence the Lord. We don't don't glorify the Lord more in any way than by doing this, coming to Christ and begging him to save me. That reverences God more than anything else we can do. Begging him by trusting him to be all I need. There's nothing that honors God more than faith in Christ. Faith in Christ says, I need Christ to do all of the saving for me because I can't do any of it. And departing from evil is to quit trust in my works and trust Christ to be my righteousness. That's spiritual understanding. Faith in Christ says, I trust Christ to do it all. I trust Christ to be my all. Trusting Christ is wisdom in action. It's wisdom in action. Now in closing, look over at Psalm 111. David has something very similar to what Job said about this matter of wisdom. Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. That word beginning... Has several meanings too. The first thing it means is the first fruits. The first fruits. If the Holy Spirit is there, pleased to give us faith in Christ, the very first thing we'll do is trust Christ to be our all. It's the first fruits, and that word beginning also means the chief thing, the most important thing, the most important thing any of us could do is trust Christ to do all of the saving us now I know like I said earlier don't make a work out of faith now I know we can't scripture says we, we must trust Christ to be saved we must but don't make that a work don't put that burden on somebody else because you can't make yourself believe Christ the only way I'll ever believe him is if God gives me faith to believe. Him. that's the only way I can we're totally dependent on God from alpha to omega from beginning to end and everything about this matter of salvation and everything else too. We're totally dependent on God. The most important thing we can do is trust Christ. That's the most important thing we can do. I just, I can't stress that enough. Well, that's exactly what we will do if the Lord is ever pleased to reveal Christ to us. If he's ever pleased to reveal the wisdom of God to us. When David talks about keeping God's commandments, He's not saying that we can keep the whole law of God and make ourselves righteous. David already knew better than that. I mean, David gone that up as bad as anybody, didn't he? Here's what David is talking about. He's talking about the commandment of God. The commandment of God. The commandment of God is to trust Christ, to do all the same for me. You know, there's pages and pages and pages and pages and pages and pages of the law. In the, old, in the Old Testament the Old Testament law. you know the purpose of every last one of those commandments the purpose is the commandment. every commandment of the law is given to show us I can't do it. I must trust Christ to do it for me. <laughs> that's the commandment of the law. you can't trust your works to make you righteous you have to trust Christ trust Christ to be all of your salvation and you will you will, if God's given you faith in Christ, if He's revealed His wisdom to you, that's what you'll do. Now let me give you, in closing, a word. Especially to those here that, that don't know Christ. You don't believe. Him. You, don't, you don't trust Him. And you know you don't. I'm sorry. That's a miserable place to be. I know it. I know it by experience. Would you listen to me for a minute? If you want God to reveal wisdom to you, to reveal this wisdom, to know how it is God can save sinners and still be just, tell you what to do. Be where wisdom is preached. Just like if you're hungry, you don't go to the hardware store, do you? You go to the grocery store. If you want to know the wisdom of God, be where the wisdom is preached. If you want to trust Christ, and and you're figuring this out finally, I can't. I mean, I've been trying for, I don't know how long to make myself believe Christ, and I can't make myself do it. If you want God to give you faith in Christ, when we tell you what to do, be where Christ is preached. Be where Christ. Make it your business to be where Christ is preached. And He'll reveal Himself to you. If He's going to do it, that's where He's going to do it where Christ has preached. And I pray that the Lord be pleased to do that for all of us this morning. Let's bow together. Our Father, how we thank you for your wisdom. Your wisdom, how you save sinners in a holy, right, and just way through the obedience and through the sacrifice of Christ our Savior. And oh, Father, how we thank you that you've been pleased to reveal your wisdom to, to your people. to so many people here. You've revealed your wisdom so that we trust Christ, so that we rest in Him, so that we look to Him. And Father, I beg of you that for those here this morning that you haven't been pleased to reveal your wisdom to, you haven't been pleased to give them faith in Christ yet, that you give it to them this morning. That you give them this joy and rest and peace and comfort of heart. And trust in Christ to be our all. Father, we admit we ask this for our good, for our gain, for, for, oh, that you might be pleased to be gracious to us. But Father, we also ask for your glory. Oh, would you get glory to your name in saving us poor sinners here this morning? Father, it's in Christ's name. For his sake and his glory, we pray. Amen. All right, Sean, can leave us in a hand if you would. Yeah.